listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. We love you. We miss you. We're going to get through this crazy year together. And I believe we're going to get through this year and still continue doing, to the best of our ability, the work of the Lord, the work of the church. Uh, this past Sunday, we were uh, excited. We had scheduled um, a couple baptisms, and uh, we had the first one, and the second scheduled ba- baptism had to reschedule because of several events. And after the first baptism, uh, I was just coming off the platform. Another young man came forward, wanted to be baptized. We baptized him. Uh, after that, another individual came forward, forward, wanted to be baptized. So yesterday, uh, while everyone else was going home or whatever you were doing um, after church, um, the church was still baptizing people. Uh, I'm super excited about that. I believe that the work of God continues. Uh, it looks a little, a little different in the reality of social distancing and, and the like, but it continues. And I I hope that your work of God continues. Uh, The church has overcome every pandemic that has happened for the last 2,000 years. We've overcome the bubonic plague. (laughs) We've overcome uh, the great Spanish influenza of, what, 1917? Um, This isn't isn't new. Uh, The church will make it through. Um, I believe the church is involved in a great work. I believe that the church is here for a reason. You guys have heard me say this a lot, but I deeply, deeply believe this. Um, If the church is still here, it's because the mission yet remains. And as a church, we need to pursue that mission. Um, I love to get together with saved people. I do. I love to have times of refreshing, so to speak, with saved people. Um, We're going to do that for all eternity. Um, If the church is still here, uh, we have a focus. And that means we are a part of the Lord's uh, Save, Find, Search for the Lost Sheep project. Uh, That's what the church is. We're part of that plan. Uh, It's the heart of God. Uh, It is His will that none would perish. Um, The church testifies of His gospel, of His work, of his miraculous blessings. Uh, We are uh, living testimonies. Uh, We are called not to die, but to live. Um, We we manifest that heart of God. Uh, The work of the Lord continues, although the work has enemies and uh, enemies will try to stop uh, the work. And uh, the most common way that the enemy would try to stop the work is to use somebody who doesn't realize he or she is being used. Let me say that again. The most common way that the enemy tries to stop the work of the church is to use somebody to hinder it, to thwart it, to discourage it, to distract it, who does not know he or she is being used. They do not know that they are being used in that manner to hinder the work. Now, I love the story uh, told to us in the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah has been sent uh, by the Lord uh, with the anointing of the Lord and the the favor of the king uh, of of that time. Uh, He has has been sent to Jerusalem to rebuild the city, 
And he gets there, and you, of course, can read all of this in Nehemiah chapter number 6. Um, and there are other peoples, tribes, nations around the children of Israel. They don't want Israel to be rebuilt. They don't want the city of Jerusalem, the walls of the city, the, the temple to be rebuilt. They like it the way it is. Um, and so once Nehemiah leads this, this, as it were, expedition of energy and focus and anointing down to rebuild the walls, these enemies uh, of the children of Israel, they, they want to stop it. And uh, so you probably have heard their names, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Jeshem. Um, when they heard, this is chapter 6, verse number 1, when they heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there was no breaks left in it, although at that time, he says, the gates had not yet been hung, Sanballat and Jeshem sent me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages of the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. There has never been in the history of the world a preacher who preached this text who did not make this joke. They wanted to meet me in the plain of Ono, and I said, Oh, no, yes, you've heard that. <laughs> They thought to do me harm. So I, I sent messengers to them, and I, I said this. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down to the plain of Oh No. <laughs> I cannot come down. Why, why should this work cease why, while I leave it and come down, come down to you? Now, uh, these enemies, shall we say, they sent messages four times, and every time... Nehemiah shows us how to respond. He ignores them. That's just some profound teaching right there. He just ignores them. He doesn't attack them. He doesn't get involved in it. He just ignores them. And so, um, let's continue. On the fifth time, uh, they sent an open letter to me. They're just going to read the letter to me there on the walls. And uh, then this... They make their case and, and whatever. They want the work to stop. They don't want Israel to be a strong city, to become the capital city of uh, the Israelites, uh, and they want it to, want it to stop. And so uh, this story is, is always helpful if you feel like you're trying to do something for God and things are fighting you. Let me say that differently. If you're trying to do something for God, things are fighting you. There's I'm, I'm unaware of any other any other reality uh, here in this uh, under this sky <laughs> in this firmament. Now a day may come when the enemy's bound for a thousand years, say. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we will have resistance to everything we try to do, and the enemy will not have his most uh, most success uh, with the overt attack against you. The obvious. He will have his most success with the covert, the hidden. Uh, he will use people who do not know they're, they're being used. They are just as sincere. They are just as focused on their wants, their wishes. They are just as obsessed with their preferences and their plans. They do not know they are being used. But the result of their purposes, plans, wishes, and wants is that they are trying in some way to hinder whatever it is you're trying to do for the kingdom of God. Uh, we know on a spiritual level that the enemy does this. Let me read uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 18 where uh, the, the apostle Paul says, Wherefore, 
I would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Here, Paul is making this statement of what he would, he's wanted to do. He's wanted to come to the church at, uh, at the, the Thessalonian church, um, but he has been hindered, and he feels like it's more than just happen chance. He believes it is literally a scheme to stop the breakthrough there. He believes it is an act of the forces of evil arrayed against the church. And that is what he says. Um, Satan, as the, as the accuser of the brethren, as the uh, enemy of the children of God, as the opposite, the opposite of the work that God would do in the earth, um, he is always going to try to stop whatever you try to do for the kingdom of God. Um, it is a spiritual reality. And if you have not felt him fight you, uh, it may be because you haven't been bold enough. Um, when the enemy fights what you're trying to do, it's a compliment. It's just a kind of a, an inverted compliment. Um, if the enemy can ignore what you're trying to do, you're probably not being bold enough. You probably should try something harder, something bigger, something a little bit scary. Uh, the church needs people of audacious faith. But audacious, not in just the... Uh, it's easy for us to think in terms of audacious faith, audacious faith, and that means to you uh, you're obnoxious. <laughs> you don't have audacious faith, you have obnoxious faith. <laughs> That's some good, good insight right there. Um, obnoxious faith is not audacious faith. Um, audacious faith is able to keep focused upon a call, a challenge, um, a burden, something that you believe is within uh, uh, your abilities, your call, your anointing, and to stay on that and to ignore the Tobias and the Sambalans, not to get in, 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 in involved in a shouting contest with them. Um, so much of the energy of church folks, particularly in the age of social media, uh, and internet uh, theology, which is not wrong. Uh, it's not wrong. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make a, I want us to have understanding here, um, is that we spend our energy in shouting matches one with another. Um, that's not the work of God. Now, you can pick, you know, cherry pick some verses and talk about, well, I'm contending for the faith. Well, that's not exactly what Paul meant uh, when he talked about you arguing over some detail of, of church style or preference. Um, I, I just, I, I want us to see that audacious faith is not obnoxious faith. <laughs> and uh, I want to move on from that. So uh, here, Satan is going to fight you. You see it right here in the story <clears throat> of Nehemiah trying to uh, do the work of the Lord, rebuild the walls of the city. And we see it in the apostles' lives. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, he was tempted. He was tried. Um, he was attacked. And ultimately, he was murdered uh, all by the princes of this world, by those, and I mean that in a spiritual sense, by the, uh, the spiritual opposition, not, not on a, a carnal or fleshly level, but <clears throat> even on a spiritual level. They did not realize that by crucifying Jesus, um, he had won. Um, they, they thought it was a loss for him, but that's a sign of divinity. That's a, that's a sign of how much greater his ways are than our ways, that he, he will let us pick the game. He'll let us, as it were, uh, set the parameters of the game, and then he'll lose 
And then we discover that having lost, he's really won because he was always playing a deeper game. Um, now, that's an imperfect example, but I, I want you to see the, the thumbprint, as it were, the fingerprint of divinity uh, in this story of Christ, seemingly losing. Oh, but wait a minute, scratch that idea, winning everything, and not just for himself, but for us. So, all right, so the resistance against the work of God uh, is a spiritual reality. Yes, there is a contest in the realm of the Spirit um, that doesn't easily uh, fit our modern minds, uh, but we as people of faith cannot be content with the world that we see. We must remind ourselves of the realm beyond and the life beyond, and we must see that that is uh, a reality. Uh, so the first thing to know about how the enemy works against the church um, is the devil strives to stop the work of God. The second thing to know is that <clears throat> Discouragement can cause the work of God, the work of God, to to cease. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. A former heavyweight boxer by the name of James Tillis. He was known as Quick Tillis. Uh, he was a cowboy from Oklahoma who went to uh, Chicago in the early '80s to make it big in Chicago. And he tells the story that he got off the bus. He had left Tulsa, Oklahoma. And all his possessions were in two cardboard boxes. <clears throat> he got off the bus in Chicago, and he walked to the corner, and uh, he set his boxes down on the ground, and he stood there, and he looked up at the big city. And um, he said he remembered standing right in front of the Sears Tower. He lifted up his eyes. He looked at all those skyscrapers, and he said, <clears throat> I'm going to conquer Chicago. And then he said, when I looked down, my suitcases were gone. <laughs> While he was looking at the city, they had stolen the suitcases. Um, if discouragement can make you stop, honey, you are going to stop. Um, discouragement is not something you might face. Discouragement is the way. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, I think you understand what I'm saying here. Um, everyone in the Word of God gets discouraged. And all of us who've done anything or, or strove for anything or worked for anything, all of us, all of us, we know what it's like to get uh, discouraged. Um, discouragement is part of the story that is told repeatedly in the word of the Lord, whether it's the children of Israel coming out of Israel or out of Egypt, I should say, or whether it's the apostle Paul trying to do ministry. Uh, discouragement <clears throat> is part of uh, the way. Uh, that we walk in. Um, it is part of the acknowledgement that uh, this is a struggle, um, a spiritual struggle against the enemy for the kingdom of God. Uh, and so how does discouragement attack you? Uh, circumstances discourage, uh, realities discourage, uh, family can discourage you, friends can discourage you, um, and just the the, the daily grind, just life as you know it, can very much discourage you. Discouragement can be built upon dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. All of that can be, <clears throat> as it were, somehow a witch's brew of discouragement in your life. Uh, discouragement is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday. It is uh, indifference to the opportunities of today, and it is insecurity regarding the promise of tomorrow. 
Discouragement is unawareness of the presence of beauty, unconcern for the needs of our fellow man, unbelief in the promises of God. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. Uh, those are all, that's from William Ward. Um, so good. Uh, this is a true statement about our efforts. Uh, discouragement does cause our foot to stumble. Uh, and if it can get you, then you're going to get God. <laughs> the second thing uh, that's very similar to that, or the next thing I should say that's very similar to that, is disappointment. This is just when things didn't work out. Um, it's not discouragement where it's like a daily grind. It's disappointment in what actually was accomplished, or it's, it's disappointment with what you have been able to do. Um, a good biblical example of this is Acts chapter number 15. Barnabas determined to take with them John Mark, and Paul didn't like that idea at all uh, because John Mark had been found wanting. He had went on an earlier journey, and he got discouraged, and he went home. Um, and now you see disappointment in Paul for the grit, shall we say, of John Mark. All of these things are... Are, are woven together, but discouragement, um, uh, uh, disappointment, um, all of these are real hindrances to anything we as the people of God could be able to accomplish um, to, for, to and for the work. Uh, and so the last thing I want to talk about here is uh, probably the most uh, dangerous, in my opinion, um, so the first thing I talked about was the enemy, the devil, will try to stop the work. And the second thing I talked about was how um, uh, discouragement will try to stop the work. And then I talked about disappointment will uh, attempt to stop the work. And finally, this is probably the biggest one, distraction will stop the work. Now, I have been, uh, I have been exposed to many, many churches um, for nearly a decade of my life. I I traveled. Um, if you count the uh, traveling, evangelizing, I also was part of a band. I was a part of music groups. I was a part of evangelistic teams. For three for the three years, I I was in college, um, and then I was I traveled uh, for eight eight and a half years uh, to church after church. That's a, that's a big chunk of your life. You look up that whole range. It's a big chunk of your life, and so. Even in, even in Bible school, I mean, uh, almost uh, probably exposed to another 20, 30 churches a year through traveling, through some preaching out, through visiting other churches. Um, I have been exposed to a, a ton of uh, churches. The other thing that's, that's part of that education is as an evangelist, um, I was able to spend significant significant amounts of time with the pastors I would be preaching a revival for. So we would eat together every day. Sometimes we'd eat together twice a day and we would talk revival. We would talk church. We would, and I, it's like every day <clears throat> um, during that time, besides the evangelistic preaching and altar and prayer and all that experience, it's like I'm getting stories. I'm getting experiences. And I have heard so many stories during uh, just, and, <clears throat> and even now, I mean, so many stories of how churches kind of lose their momentum uh, and how uh, that happened. And I've, I have, honestly, I, I've, uh, it has been a wall in my life just continually of stories, lessons, examples. 
Um, I thank God for that. It has been uh, a continuing education in my life. Um, it, I, it has made, I honestly believe it has made my, it is, it's been formative to me uh, in many ways. And I would have to tell you a thousand stories to tell you that, uh, how it was formative to me. But definitely very much uh, formative to me. Um, I have heard so many stories about how churches caught a wave of revival and lost it. Um, I, I have heard so many stories of churches that would repeatedly run up to a certain size and then kind of blow up, uh, lose their way, split, and this was like a cycle. Um, and I have, uh, once I began to have eyes to see, <clears throat> I began to ask probing questions. And I, honestly, in, in my opinion, um, I, I'm, I don't claim to be an expert. It's just I've had exposure. Um, distraction is probably the greatest enemy, <clears throat> enemy of the church because we're always placed in this crucible of living in a carnal fleshly world and valuing an eternal spiritual world. Uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me try to unpack that a little bit more. Our ordinary lives are filled with things to do, jobs, problems, education, kids. All of our life is experienced for the most part in a temporal, even carnal world. But spiritually, we're continually called on by God to, evaluate, to, to, to value an eternal world. And this places us on the crux of two worlds. And we literally get pulled um, it's, it's like a, in the, mid, mid, the, the, the mid, medieval years, then they had a rack, uh, and they, it, was a, it was an instrument of torture, and they would pull people apart on a rack. It's a horrible thing, uh, even a bad image to think about. I mean, it's just terribly torturous. Um, but in many ways, uh, I, I think there's a, a lesson here because we are, we are pulled between two worlds, and our effectiveness is directly related to how we can limit the influence of one and open our hearts to the influence of the other. Now, if this doesn't fill you with a sense of, oh my goodness, I need to do better, then I've done a bad job of explaining it. Um, we literally, as believers, our effectiveness is directly related to our ability to live in one world but value another this is what it means to be a pilgrim and a stranger. This is why Abraham becomes the teaching example. This is why Jesus had no possessions. This is why the disciples sacrificed everything in their life for the call. And great is their reward, the Bible. All of them did things that we don't do. All of them made sacrifices that we don't make. We hold those sacrifices as teaching examples in our heart and as spiritual ideals that exist in some manner beyond our reach, but even so are like a north star to us. This is important. There's a reason why the, the city of God is uh, built upon the foundation stones of the apostles. There's a reason why. Um, great is their reward. Uh, they literally laid aside everything uh, for that, they, 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 as it were, 
were able to live in a world they rejected. Now, why does this feel crazy uh, to so many of us modern Christians? Because we know how to live in the world. We know how to value it. It's easy. This is the ways of the flesh. Um, But what we struggle with is to turn away from it and value this world. Now, there's some practical disciplines that the Bible has given us to keep the world of the flesh in check. These disciplines are tests of our heart. Uh, One of them is things like fasting. Fasting is a direct attack against our value and concern against the things of the flesh. Do you see? Uh, It is a test, as it were, of our heart. We turn away from this to value this. And uh, another thing that does that is uh, tithing and offerings is a direct way to gauge our attachment to this world. Um, People who struggle with tithes and offerings, um, it is directly related to this issue of they cannot in some way, they cannot order this world as a statement that their heart values this world. And I, look, I, I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to talk about. I'm just talking about biblical teachings of this manner. Um, when, we, when we don't fear those who can attack our body, but we do fear those who can kill the soul or kill the body versus kill the soul, all of this is the reality that we live in this, but we value this. Um, The same thing is true for a church and its effectiveness. Uh, The last prayer request that the Lord prayed over his church, his his disciples, was for unity. Lord, I pray that they would be one. Um, This, um, it, it, it should resonate among us more than it does. We should celebrate it more than we do. Um, there's a lot of New Testament writing about this. There's a lot of insight about it. Um, we really, that something, is, something profoundly is broken when a church loses its, its unity. Um, we get distracted by problems. <clears throat> yes, we do. Um, we get ourselves, we make ourselves spiritually ineffective by allowing this world to overwhelm us. Um, we get distracted by the pleasures of this world and the wishes of this world. Um, that's why Jesus said that it's difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven. It's not so much that they their sins are uh, the problem. The problem is that they have the temptation, they always have the temptation to let the world, this life, be the life of their reward, not the next life. They lose that ability to think that Uh, Yes, I'm blessed, but my blessing is not here in this world. My blessing is in the eternal world. And that is a specific temptation to them. Um, I could could go on and on. I need to wrap this up. But the, the challenge for all of us is to understand when the Sanballats and the Tobias of our life are trying to get us to stop the work that God has given us to do. And whether it is fear, discouragement, despair, or distraction, disagreements over that, irritations about that, struggles over this, whatever it is, the great work should not stop. We are involved in a great work, and that work should not uh, uh, stop. We should not come down from the... uh, (laughs) the construction of that great work. 
and go parley with the enemy in the fields of Ono, to which we say, Oh no. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your long-suffering patience in our life. <clears throat> every, every mistake that I try to counsel other people not to make, I have at times made myself. Um, every, every word of advice that I, I seek to share from your scripture and give to others, I myself at times have failed with that. But I'm so thankful for your long-suffering, God. I'm so thankful for your mercy. Uh, I am a, a walking, living, breathing testimony of your mercy. As a church, Lord, help us to value the great work we are in. Help us to value it. If we don't see it as great, we'll be easily led astray. But if we see it as great, we will not be easily led astray. And so I'm praying today that we would see it as a great work and that we would have the spiritual discipline and the biblical wisdom to stay focused on that work, not turned aside, not made spiritually frivolous, not always falling into snares of, of competitiveness one with another or irritation one with another or uh, irritation over preferences that one another have or our eyes off of you and on one another. Lord, save us from those things. The church is involved in a great work. Help us to value it and stay committed to it in Jesus' name, amen. We love you. God bless you. See you soon. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.